wonderful to see you all again, really it is. It is such a privilege to worship here and just with you guys. I was just in tears. Can you all hear me? Just to worship the Lord with these people is just, man, you miss it. You don't realize how fast you miss that. So it is wonderful to be back. It really, really is. My wife and I just want to thank you for the time and the grace that you've given us. We didn't realize how tired we were. It's like that, you know, you take off and you just kind of crash. And, um, but you also have two small children that are like, you're home, you're home, you're home, you're home, you're home. We can do this and this and this and this. But it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, next week, we have Greg and Michelle Haswell with us, uh, for those of you who know them. So I really encourage you to come out and, um, and just receive from them just wonderful people who they've been to us. And then as you heard earlier, the following week, which is October 2nd, we won't have a meeting here. We are going to have a family fellowship time because we're going to be doing construction. Before I left, we talked about expansion. So we're taking down this wall. I took photos, which I forgot to give to them at the back. The hallway did not look like that yesterday. It was a disaster. And so there have been people that have been working so hard, literally night and day, and uh, so I just want to thank that whole team. I know Kevin's been heading that team up. Michelle Haddock, Cynthia, Heather has been here night and day sorting everything out. So I just wonder if we can give them a hand. It's really a lot of work. And uh, we've moved our offices up to a different location. And uh, so there's a lot going on. We're spinning many plates. So please just give them grace. Give us grace. But we're trying to steward, you know, growth. It's never really been our focus. We want to grow, but when God brings growth, you want to steward it. But at the same time, we still have a plan, as I shared with you guys all before we left and many times over the last couple of years, uh, a seven-acre property down the road, which is a future site. So we're trying to steward the growth, but also steward finances because we'll probably only be here for another two years, and all that stuff is up and down with the county. So you, you want to know a bit of poverty mindset, but you also want to be wise, Yeah. So we're going to be opening this up, and, uh, and there's going to be some changes and new walls and other things. So we need to close down so that that can happen. And, um, and otherwise, you can come here if you want. They'll give you something to do, I'm sure, a hard hat, bring a, something to cover your face from the dust. And, uh, you know, in fact, if people, if you want young, young people to learn to work, tell them there's church on those two weeks and let them come, <laughs> let them work. And... Um, and then the following week, uh, sorry, October 2nd, we're going to be having the fellowship time, uh, which the details on the website, and they'll, they'll give you more about it. And then the following week, we just closed. So, wonderful. It's really good to be back. I wonder if you could turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Actually, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. The message just got longer. And uh, I want to speak on a subject this morning. I have one week. And we're going to look at a large portion of the book of Ephesians. We're going to read a lot. The Bible says to give yourself to the public reading of Scripture, yeah? So we're going to read some stuff this morning. But I want to speak about growing up. And the title that I was going to give this message was, can I have some water? Sorry, that hasn't changed. still forget water every week. Um, I wanted to give the title Grow Up. But I thought, you don't want to be so direct. I'll take that. This is warm. She has this tepid water for her throat when she sings. And I've been preaching before, and she gives me a sip, and I'm like, oh, and you can't show it, so excuse the interchange there. But I want to speak about the fivefold ministry or the fourfold ministry, also known as the Ephesians 4 gifts, the gifts Christ gives to the church, uh, 
apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. There's been a lot of teaching on that in the past. Many of you have sat under a lot of that type of teaching. So I have one week. It's a very big, in a sense, subject. But I just, God put it on my heart, especially with us receiving Greg and Michelle next week. They carry some of those offices and some of those graces on their life. And we want to always continue to receive people in a sense, is the way that they are because God gives gifts to the church, which are people. Hello? So at the same time, I know that there's probably many people in this room that see these texts differently and have heard them preached differently. That's okay. That's okay. But Paul writes this book. We're going to quickly flip through, probably for 10, 15 minutes, the first three chapters to the best of my ability. And some of it will come up behind me, some of it won't. I just didn't have the time to put it all down. We're going to quickly flip through because it is always just something that the Lord has put on my heart to how did they read it then? Because we need to see how they read it then, yeah? And it's still truth. It's still eternal truth. It's still God's holy word. But Paul writes this book, Ephesians, to churches that they circulated this book or this letter in the city of Ephesus. And the city of Ephesus was... For me, very similar like where we live, it was a melting pot of trade and commerce and beliefs and religions and structures and, and all sorts of languages. It was this central, centrifugal force of a place. And so yeah, these believers who did not grow up with the Jewish background, Moses and Abraham, many of them were, you know, grew up with a Greek background. And so Paul writes this letter to people that are steeped in the world in terms of the influences all around them, multiple influences, multiple voices. Does that sound familiar? And it's almost like a summary. He talks about the first three chapters, about some essential doctrines, essential truths, and then the the last three, how to walk that out, how to live that out, what's that going to look like? So can we quickly flip through the context that we want to get to is Ephesians 4, but let's look very quickly, start in Ephesians 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father. I encourage you to look in your Bibles. I don't know if this will come up, all of it, so look in the Scriptures if you can. It's good to bring a Bible. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And it goes through this, that God is good, and this was His plan, and He chose us, and He predestined us, and it was His Son, and it was by the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus has overcome all enemies, and you are found through belief in Him, in Him, which means you are seated up there, and you have nothing to fear. This first chapter, what Jesus has done, what that means for you, those who are in Christ, those who believe in Him. Then in Ephesians 2, it starts very, and you, He made alive who were dead in trespasses, dead in sin. He's saying, so you were born dead in sin in the world. You were born, whether you know it or not, as a slave to sin and death. But when you believed in Christ, the answer of what is wrong with the world, He took you out of that answer, took you out of that problem, and He won the victory. And so you were born dead, but there's life in Jesus. And then he says, so don't walk according to the course of this world, all the various problems and cultures that we face. He says, listen, the course of this world is dictated by a spiritual enemy you can't see, so don't follow it. And he goes through this in Ephesians chapter 2, and then he says, but God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy, 
because of his great love. So all of this that he did, he says, it's because of him. Not because, in a sense of you, but because of him. His love, his grace, his mercy. Let's go to 2, verse 11 to 13. I think this will come up. Therefore, because of 1 and 2, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called a circumcision. Now, that's a weird way to say those who weren't born Jews. He says, made in flesh by hands, that at the time that you were without Christ, meaning before Christ came, before they were saved, you were being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. That's the Old Testament. Having no hope and without God in the world because they weren't included yet. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So what he's talking about here, you guys good? I know we're moving fast. You guys good? It's it's very important. Context is a big deal. So in the temple and all the different various outer courts and inner courts of the temple, there was these walls of separation, segregation, different levels of people. That's actually what he's talking about. And when he says later, he says, God did more than we can ask, think, or imagine. He's like, we didn't in the Old Testament understand. We didn't, uh, this generation, it wasn't revealed to them, which he talks about in chapter 3. There was this mystery. The, The prophets were kind of pointing at it, but there was this mystery. Now we see God's plan was much bigger than we thought. It wasn't about one nation. It was about dealing what is wrong with mankind, removing it, saving them, and giving all access to him. So he says, remember, you know, in the temple, for those who wanted to go in the temple, if you were a Gentile but believed in Yahweh, believed in God, you were allowed to go into like the first level, literally. Then there was a wall, couldn't go past it. Then Jewish women were allowed to go further than Gentile others. And then Jewish men were allowed to go even further. There was these walls. They could go further than the Jewish women, all these different levels. And the Jewish priests, well, they could go even further. Oh, and the high priest, he could go in. Once a year. And God, he's saying, God has torn all of that down. He's torn all of that down. He did so much more than we thought. He's made it possible that the, the God who wasn't there comes in here. That's what he says. Listen to this. Ephesians 2.19. He says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of, God's, of the household of God. And having been, sorry, members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a temple in the Lord, and in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So he says it's so much more than we imagined that this the temple that everyone is trying to get to. You could go so far, you can go further. He says, actually, it's not even about, he took the presence of God, the person of God, the spirit of God that we were all trying to get to in different levels and he put it in here for all those who believe, not just for one nation, for all who believe and he put it in here, which is quite a thing that happened. And then he uses this illustration. In fact, that was a physical temple. You are now like living stones, Peter says. You are now the temple. 
It's bigger than we could have thought or imagined. Every one of you is like a building block in this temple that God is building by his spirit. Do you see that? That's literally what he's starting to bring to these people who are surrounded by all these temples and gods. And He says, it's in the spirit. You are this temple. And yet you come from different backgrounds and different beliefs and different cultures. But somehow, by God's spirit, he's going to build this temple. And you are like a stone. It's not about getting into it anymore. It's in you. And you are it. And you're building. This is what he's speaking to them. And he explains more of that in Ephesians 3. Let's go to Ephesians 3 verse 14. He says, for this reason, he says, because of all of this, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. It's no longer Jew, Gentile, this, that. The whole family is named. You know, the biblical, that biblical phrase being named biblically speaks about a creation, speaks identity over the creature. He defines your identity, and man does not get to amend it. This is what he's saying. Man can't amend what they didn't create. Hello? Preaching to the choir, I know. You guys make it so easy says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, Ephesians 3.16, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Who's he writing to? He's writing to saints. He's not talking about salvation here. He's saying there's a Christ may fill all the parts of you. Christ may live and dwell in your heart and take over and, and fill you by faith. But what does he say? That you may be strengthened with might through his spirit. So with all that's going on in the world and all that you see on the news and all the various things, it's like I see many people and I've experienced it myself. It's so much you can just go numb. Hello? There's so much you just, it's like you just... You want to shut off. I can't. Some people stick their head in the sand. Some are going to go and shout and scream and fight. And it's all different. It's so much. And he says, listen, there is strength. This multi-diversity, all the stuff going on, there is a strength for you. And it's by his spirit to your inner man. It may sometimes change how you feel, sometimes not. It may sometimes deal with a dif difficult circumstance, sometimes not. But he will strengthen you inside yourself, inner man. Why? Because you don't have to go to the temple. He's already in there. And as soon as we turn to him for strength, he will give strength. Because you are being built into this amazing family, your identity, your strength, what you're called to do, this desire for significance, that every person has a desire for significance. It comes from the Lord. He's saying all of that will come out in this amazing building called the church, in this amazing family called God's family, God's household, even though you all come from different places. It's good news. It's good news. You know, that strength is there all the time whenever, for those of you who feel weakened, tired, 
you just turn your heart to the Lord. That's all he, you just turn to him and he gives you strength. Lord, help me. Here, in here. Strength is there. Strength is there. So, now we get to Ephesians 4. That was the fastest. You guys are so good. You've mastered the first three chapters. You guys are amazing. You're like, first three chapters, got it. But then, 4, verse 1. He says, I, therefore. My dad always said, when it's the Bible says, therefore, you want to know what it's there for. Therefore, saying, because of all of this, 1, 2, and 3, because you are saved by the blood of Jesus, which was the eternal plan of God, because he has put everything under his feet, because he has made you one, because he has given you an identity, because you are part of his family, because you can receive strength from him because he no longer lives in a place but inside of you, because of all of this, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul wrote this from prison, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He's saying, because of all of this, you have a calling, and I encourage you, beseech you, walk, walk worthy of that calling, because he's made it possible. And he says this, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another, I almost said beating one another, although sometimes it looks like that, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. I'm not going to speak about this today, but the unity of the Spirit is different than people agreeing. It says to keep the unity of the Spirit, meaning in the Spirit there is always unity. In the Spirit of God there's always unity. We are called to keep it. We don't have to make it. He made it. He took all the walls away, took all the segregation away, took all the separation of the way, all of that away, and made us one. And with that heart, we can keep unity. So he says this, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, writing to those who came from many gods, Greek mythologists, some of them, one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Then he says, but to each one. So he says, we're one. We're this building. We're, we're like, man, it's just God's doing this. He's put unity in us, the possibility for us to walk together as a family that we come from. But yet there's still an individual difference and an individual expression. It's, it's like, you know, herding cats. It's, you know, we're all different, but yet God's called us to actually live and walk together. So this is actually the context of where these gifts of Christ come in. Are you guys with me? He says, but to each one, Let's just read verse 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace was given. Can we say grace? Grace, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, now Paul quotes here the Old Testament, Psalm 68. It says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. 
Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? And he who, also de he who descended is also the one who ascended. It, it kind of gets confusing. You're like, could you say this better? You know, But it says, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that means whole or mature, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, every new thing that comes along. And the church, well, now we believe this, now we're doing this, now we're doing this. Every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. There it is. May grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom this whole body, this body that I'm talking about, this building, you as living stones in the spirit, this whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working of which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's like the longest sentence. Verse 11 to 16, I think, is one sentence. It's like long. So Paul's saying a lot, and we're going to look at it to the best of our ability. But I want to speak to you, but the context is so important. That's the context. That's who he's writing to. That's the city. That's what they're living under. It's very similar to today. And he writes to them about these gifts that Christ gives to the church. And I'm not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. As Western-minded people, we like everything like this. Well, you have the gifts of the Spirit, and there's this many, and you have the gifts of Christ, and there's this many, you have this, and they like this, and he has two, and it's not like that. It helps to teach it that way sometimes because it's, it, it paints a picture that we can understand. But it, it's not really like that. So, with this text, evangelists, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, I know that there's going to be differences. I want to show you what I see. And let's look at what the Bible teaches. And we're going to look at two major questions with fresh eyes. Now we've seen some of the context. He's including people that were not included. He's saying all of that's been broken down. But in order for you to walk in unity, in order for you to grow up into all things, in order for you to mature and be established and be grounded and rooted in love amidst all that's going on around them, he says, God gave, Christ give, gave gifts to the church. And that's going to help. With all that's going on, <coughs> sorry, these gifts, which are people, is part of his plan. So the question I have for us, do, do we still have these gifts in the church today? <coughs> Kevin says yes. Don't all shout out, yes, no, maybe, I don't know. And what are these, these are offices, what are they called to do? What are they for? So this is very 
elementary in a sense for, for a lot of you sitting here. You've been schooled in this many times. But I think it's helpful for us to go over again, not just because we're having Greg and Michelle come, but as a family, as a church. Why? Because we're growing in physically. But we need to grow up spiritually too. And this is part of God's plan. I've heard it said, everybody is growing old, but not everybody is growing up. <laughs> Hello? You don't hit your husband say, it's, he's. <laughs> so, so we're going to look at this. Can we look with fresh lenses, with open eyes, with this context that we've painted? That's how they read it. Verse 7, but to each one, so you all, there's one body, one hope, but yet individual expression. But to each one of us, can we say each one? Huh. Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Christ's gift. So we're going to do a little teaching here. So let's look at some words. Firstly, it says grace was given. That's not in a sense talking about saving grace. It's an endowment of grace. It's the empowerment of God. When there were many things happening in the early church, it says there was much grace upon them all. It's the ability of God. It's the endowment of God. Grace was given. <clears throat> Sorry, from singing, my throat is. And it's not dependent upon you. It's very important. It says grace was given. doesn't make these individuals special because it comes from grace. They didn't earn it. They didn't measure up to something. The Lord said, I'm endowing this person with grace. Grace to do something. Grace to function in something. It doesn't make them more or less. Hello? In fact, Paul says the apostles are the least. They're like, we're at the bottom. That's what he says. And then that word measure is the word metron. Who's heard this word metron? It's metrons of authority, metrons of influence. The word gift there is not charisma or charismata. The word gift there is the word doria. And the word doria is actually meaning it ex in the Greek, it means it's, it, it's expressly saying this gift is free. You can't earn it. That's that term for gift. It's one of the many terms of gift. He said this gift is free. You can't earn this. And it's only used in the New Testament in regards to supernatural and spiritual things, not physical things. Every time. So it's by grace. You can't earn it. <coughs> Christ gives it. You can't compete for it. It's a gift, but it doesn't mean they all look the same because they are on different metrons. Metrons means a sphere. Actually, there's a scripture here, 2 Corinthians 10 says, Paul speaking, we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service. Other translations say the fear of influence. That word is metron. It's a sphere of influence that God has given a person. It's a sphere of, and it's not a sphere of influence that you get given so that you can control. It's to serve them. It's a sphere of influence for serving. Are you guys okay? And it says that God himself has assigned. So to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure, to the metron. So Christ has given us gift and this, the, the extension, the, the sphere of influence, he'll give you the gift to make sure that it's enough for that sphere. And you can grow in that, but we won't talk about that now. 
And then he says, he quotes the Old Testament, and he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity and he gave gifts to men. So the context of these gifts, which are people, which we'll get to, that are given to equip the church, is victory. It's a strange thing. He led captivity captive. What he's saying is he killed death. He defeated defeat. He enslaved slavery. That which holds every person in captivity, captivity itself, the captivity that you were born into, dead and trespasses, as he says, sin and death. He took captivity captive. That's what he did. And he arrayed them in a line in, in, the, in the spirit realm. It says, literally, it says, he arrayed them and all to see, he paraded them. And in that context, have you, if, have you, who, who of you sits awake sometimes at night and thinks, man, if I had $10 million, I would gift it this one, this one, and then you're like, okay, if I had $100 million, because is anyone, is, is just, just us 12, the rest of you, it's that. It's as soon as he had defeated, as soon as he exposed what is actually wrong with the world and defeated it in the ascension, in his victory, he's like, oh, I'm giving gifts. He longed to give them. Because of his love for his bride, which is the church, he endows people with grace to serve them. It's much like, I see it in the Old Testament in Genesis 24. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Genesis 24, Abraham, it paints this picture of the servant of Abraham. He is like the biggest servant, the best. He's, he's faithful in all of Abraham's house. And he puts his hand under Abraham's thigh and they have an oath and there's this closeness. And he sends the servant to get a wife for his son. But you know what's interesting about that text? We don't know that servant's name. He is not even named. That's the point. It's not about the greatness of the servant. It's about the greatness of the one he's serving. And so, in many places, and many of you have most likely experienced this, this hierarchy develops. It's like these apostles and prophets and pastors, and, and sometimes we've been told they're not even for today, which we'll get into, but it, I've seen so much abuse in it. But the answer for abuse or misuse is not no use but correct use. So, the context of these gifts being given is from victory. And these people are endowed with grace. They are the gift. They are endowed with grace. That's what it says. To each one, grace is given. Then in 9 and 10, that he ascended and descended, we're not going to get into it now. What he's actually saying is all he's trying to point out is that he gave gifts to men, that the he is talking about Jesus Christ. You can go look at it later. That's, that's the point he's making. Okay? So we can read it like this. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure, the metron of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And in that context, and gave gifts to men, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. That's the way he, he actually wrote it. When he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, and he gave some. That men is not like male, it's mankind. Talking about the church. He's just made 
a whole understanding of we are all together. We are all in one. We are all, it's no longer separation. It's no longer Jew, Gentile. It's all who believe. It's open for whosoever should believe. And in his victory, in his ascension, he put grace on people. <clears throat> he endowed them with grace. And those people became gifts to the church, became gifts to the bride. They are the gift, but they receive it as grace. Does that make sense? So he says, grace is given to, to each one, grace is given. And he says, and then he gave gifts to men, to some, and he gave apostles. And the, and the translation here says he gave some to be. That, that is not there in the Greek. It says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and some teachers. So, these are offices. These are called Christ's gifts to the church, Ephesians 4 gifts. Some people say, well, there's five. Other people say, well, in the Greek, the pastor-teacher thing is kind of one. You can go look at that. We get so like this, we miss what is he trying to say. That's why it's often called the five-fold ministry or the four-fold ministry. And he gives gifts until when, it tells us. Now we're going to look very quickly. Are you guys with me? I felt so impressed on my heart to speak about this, even though many of us have heard this. I, I almost don't know why sometimes, but it's so important as we grow, are we growing? It says, so it tells us, you know, until, it says he gives these Evangelists, prophets, pastors, teachers, until. But before I just read what it says, I want to make a few comments. The word gave, and he gave some prophets, he gave, that word gave is in the continuous present tense, aorist in the Greek. Means he gave and is still giving. He gave and is still giving. That's what that word actually means. And there is no scripture anywhere. If you know one, come and show me. There's no scripture in the Bible that tells us that these have ended. Not a one. There is one that some people talk about, talks about uh, when the fullness of time has come, and that's actually talking about when Jesus comes back. But there is no scripture that tells us he gave them until just the first, guys, or until the early church was over, whoever decides when that was, or until the first century. There is it's not, I can't find it in here. I can't. So, however, and some of you, I may lose some of you here, and that's okay. There does seem to be in Scripture a preference or a, a different place given to the original 12. There does. For example... It says in Revelation chapter 20, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So, also in Ephesians 2.20 and Ephesians 3, it says this, we read it, the church is being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now, in Ephesians 3.5, it talks about the holy apostles and prophets in that context. You don't have to agree with me here. It's not that important. It is to me. It may not be to you. What I see in Scripture for many, many reasons is that Ephesians 2.20, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Ephesians 3.5 is talking about 
the original, the first apostles and prophets in the New Testament. You see, the old, there are no more Old Testament prophets. We have to understand that. Not because if there were and there are prophets today that they're less or they were better. It's not that. It's different in function. They were pointing towards Christ. They were pointing to the Messiah and writing Scripture, writing Holy Scripture by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's called inscripturation. That is over. But it doesn't mean that they're no longer prophets. We see prophets in the New Testament. Hello? You see that? There are no more first century apostles. It makes obvious sense. Paul is saying there's this building. And he's building this building. And the first little layer is, a, is the, the holy apostles and prophets. In fact, the only time in the New Testament that it uses the word holy apostles and prophets, not their character, they were set apart, it's talking about those 12. So there does seem to be this preference given to the first ones. Christ is the cornerstone and the other apostles. And then so many have come and said, they no longer exist today. They're not for today. It's only for then. There is no verse that tells me that. There is no verse that tells me that. In fact, there's many reasons, which I'll explain, which shows me that they are for today. Now, I believe that they are. But just like we don't have Old Testament prophets because they differ in function, not in superior skill or look at, they're different in function because it's about Jesus, not about us. There are no more first century apostles. apostles. They also, some of them wrote scripture that we, we differ in function. But the grace, the apostolic grace from Jesus into a person as a gift to his church is still today here. Is still today here. So, give you an example. Let's look at the New Testament because it says he gave gifts when he ascended. New Testament. And it says he gave, so the word teacher in the New Testament is mentioned 58 times. Most of them for Jesus. The word pastor or shepherd, apart from Jesus, because that's, you know, the great shepherd, the great, apart from Jesus is used one time. Here, in Ephesians 4, the word pastor. One time, in referring to a person. One time. The word evangelist is mentioned three times in the New Testament. The word prophet, 122 times in the New Testament alone. Never mind the Old Testament. The word apostle, 70 times in the New Testament. You want to talk about people who are actually named, like this person is called an apostle. This person is, they are, depending on how you read it, 24 or 26 people in the New Testament that are named, this person is an apostle. Not 12. 24 to 26. And one of them was a woman. And not only that, not only that, they weren't all eyewitnesses. They didn't all live when Jesus lived. Prophets, nine named prophets. Nine. This person's a prophet. Nine of them. Mentioned many times with nine people that are named. Doesn't mean there were only nine, just means they named those. It says the apostles gathered, the prophets gathered. It says about the church of Antioch, they were, it was led by prophets and teachers. Doesn't tell us who they were. It gives us some names, but there were more. 
teachers, named teachers. This person was at fivefold gifted by Christ to teach. This four. Evangelist. Who knows? Who was it? Philip. One. How many named pastors in the New Testament? Zero. So, not that it matters, but there may be a strategy of the enemy. I don't care about titles. Paul didn't, I, personally, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like it. I don't. But it's a grace. And recognition of the grace is important so that the church can grow up and grow strong and be mature with all that's going on. Hello? But I, they, don't, they just called him Paul. He never said, Apostle Paul. He said, Paul, that's me, comma, an apostle. That's my function. That's the grace that's on me. But it may be that there's a strategy in the enemy that the, 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 the one that is the least mentioned, the least focused on, the least named, is the one that the Western church, everyone's a pastor. But the apostle and prophet that are the majority, majority of the focus in the New Testament, people get very uncomfortable with that. And maybe it has something to do with a low-flying church. This is good news. <laughs> it's okay. Paul even said, and friends, there's so much we could talk about. There's so much self-proclaimed, self, I'm a this, I'm a that. I wish we had time. How do we identify? How do we know? I wish we had time for that. But I don't see any self-appointed, self-claimed. I don't see any self-promotion. I, I, don't, I don't see that. Paul says apostles are, are the least. Paul even said, I'm, I'm not an apostle to everyone, but I am to you. A person can carry this grace, but it doesn't mean that they're that for you. They can't say, well, I'm a this and you. No. Who are you to say that? Honor is great, but it's not supposed to be about the person who carries. They are the gift to the bride. The bride is Christ's focus. Individually, the Bible says as members, but all together, meaning that even those people they are still sheep. They are still in the body of Christ. They are still part of that, but they are endowed for others. But they're not supposed to be the focus. Throughout history, those people become pedestals. They become the focus. It's like, it, it's happened in the church of Corinth. Some say I'm of Paul, some of Apollos, some of Peter, some of Christ. It's like that today. Some people speak more about their favorite whatever than they do about Jesus. I just love this guy, or I love this lady, or I love this. And it's like, well, I follow him, well, I follow him, well, he says this, well, she says that. And so because there's been some abuse and some misuse and some incorrect focus, and, and then this person that is like, wow, look at them, and then they fall, and then everyone freaks out because the focus shouldn't have been there. So what does the Scripture say? Let's look at that. There's, there's many other things that we could speak about. People say, well, the Bible speaks about the marks of an apostle. Yes, and but it, speak, it spoke about that in the time that if you preach publicly, you would be persecuted. You would be. So, 
What does it say? Verse 11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until, well, there's an answer. Until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or mature man, interesting how it says to one, in other words, in our unity, like one person as the body of Christ, moving as one. I'm the hand, I'm the eye. I'm not trying to compete. Well, I want to be, no, who does God say you are? A perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Has that happened? I'm looking around and we're, you guys are amazing, but not that. Any church. It says these gifts were given until... I don't see how they're not for today. It doesn't mean that it's the same as the first century, but it doesn't mean that those, the, the grace, the, 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 it's like the word is engraced. He graces people <coughs> as these gifts. And a prophet isn't just about prophesying. In fact, a person who is actually in a prophet, we'll get to, sometimes they don't prophesy that much, but you get around them and you'll learn how to pretty fast. Because there's a grace that flows out of them to equip people. So when you get a, an insecure young, and that's okay, we've all been it, I've been it, and we have maybe the gift of prophecy from 1 Corinthians 12, and we can prophesy, and, we can, and then, you know, and, and it's like, well, I'm, I'm a prophet. No, yeah. Because a prophet is not about, look what I can do. It's about, look who those grow into maturity around me in this grace. <coughs> Excuse me. That we should no longer be children. So, it's like these lenses. Can I have those lenses, please? You guys still okay for a few more minutes? I hope this is helpful. I really do. It's like these lenses. These gifts, Christ <clears throat> graces people. Remember, they are the gift. A prophet is a prophet is a prophet. An evangelist is an evangelist. They are that. That is actually the identity, their calling. They are that. A car is a car. When it's not moving, it's still a car. It's different to the gifts of the Spirit, which come in a sense, which flow, which are actually called manifestations of the Spirit. The Spirit of God manifests himself through a person as he chooses and as he wills. You don't own that. It's through relationship. And as one happens more and more, it's like walking back and forth in a path. You start to like wear out the grass and then eventually wear like a, a funnel in the ground. As a certain manifestation of the Holy Spirit functions through you more, you become comfortable with it. You become aware of it. It's easy for you. It's, but it's still not sourced in you. And these guys, it's not sourced in them. It says to each one grace is given. But it's like a lens. You know those psychological, like, you know, these ink blots, and they, sh they hold it up. They're like, what do you see? Oh, I see a butterfly. I see a monster. You know? And then they're like, well, there's something wrong with you, but you're okay. You know, that is, it's a little like that. It's like the Lord says to the pastor, look through the lens. They're all looking at the same thing, but they all have different lenses. Look at my people. Look at them. What do you see? <clears throat> what does the pastor say? Oh, I see the people. Look at the people, they're so beautiful. 
I love the people. You know what the most important thing is? God's love. And the Father, look at the people. Are they so precious? How are you doing? How are you doing? You know what's important is community. Why do we care about this prophecy stuff? Who cares about that if we can't even love one another? That is the most important thing. Love. Jesus said to love. And and that's what he sees. And everyone who thinks like him goes, why aren't you preaching more about family? And you know, I have teenagers, and why, it's, why, and community, and why aren't we doing this more, and can I hug you, and, you know, pastor, shepherd, nurture, that's what he says, who cares if I don't hear God, I just want to love these people, and you know what, he's not wrong, they're not wrong, that's what they see. You take the same thing, but a different lens. You put it in front of the teacher. What does he see? A big Bible. It's the Word of God. It must be the Word. You'll hear them say all the time, well, do you know what the Bible says about that? This is what the Bible says. And, but you get around them, and you you like, man, I want to read the Bible. That's what they see. They're like, all this gift stuff. You, you know, someone's like, I, I want to go pray. Pray, that's great, but... If you knew what the Bible says, you probably wouldn't have to because the Bible is the Word of God. I want to go pray. You go. I really know what to do because it's in the Bible. Yeah? That's, and when the evangelist looks through the lens, what does he see? He's like, all these stupid Christians are in the way. I, I can't see the lost. Move. You know? It's like, why are you talking to him? He's already in. That one's going to hell. That one's going to hell. That one's going to <laughs> That's what they see. So people come to a person who carries a title as a pastor, but may not have the grace from God that may not be gifted as one. And that's where hurt comes in, because of lack of understanding. So people come to the pastor, you know, but he's maybe graced as an evangelist. They come, you know, I'm hurting and my family and my marriage, he doesn't listen to them. He's like, you know what you should do? You should take that child and t- teach them to pray for people on the street. Then something will happen inside of him and he's going he's to forget about the problems. Yeah, and we should, let's go now. Let's go now. I'm going to teach you. Let's go now. And they're like, uh, um, uh, uh, okay, well, I, I'm very nervous when I speak to people. You think Jesus was nervous when you went to the cross? He didn't, let's go. It's like, that's an evangelist. That's what, <clears throat> now obviously I'm being funny, but, and as they grow, they will grow in patience and wisdom and grace. But you know how they will grow in those things? By being around others. Because their grace flows to them. What about the prophet? <clears throat> You know, there's much I could say about that. But they look through the lens and they see the spiritual realm. They look through the lens. That's what they see. They're like, let's go pray. Yeah, I don't want to pray. Let's go pray for like days. We should probably fast. The body is in the way. Let's just, oh, you know, everything means something. The crow, that crow, the Lord sent that crow. It, it, it's the, they see that stuff, but they also see sometimes the bigger picture. 
And they point, we must go there. People are like, I'm just struggling. Shh, there. <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. And then the apostle, the presence and the glory of God. It's the, they are the wonder of Jesus. It consumes them. They are often pioneers. It's the much bigger picture. I see what God is doing on the earth, he says. And he looks through the same lens. He doesn't see the people he does, but he sees, look at what God's doing on the earth. And the wonder and the majesty of Jesus. And Jesus, I'll pay any price. I'll pay any price. If they kill me, they kill me. We must go forward. The kingdom must advance. God, but sometimes looking at the, all the whole forest, he misses the tree. The tree's like, help, help, help. And he's like, you know what? Your problems aren't that big. You know, let me show you. There's, an, there's eternity. Look through my lens. You see, look, look at eternity. Doesn't that make it go away? No. Look again. Different graces. Now, we don't have time to get to the rest. But I'll, I'll say it this simply. These exist today. These are offices. It doesn't make the person special. Some people, it's like a DNA. It's in them. And there are many of you here, most likely, that have never, maybe not even aware of it. To each one, grace was given as Christ apportioned it. What are they to do? We've said it, I don't have time. They are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Someone said it this way, they are the equipment handlers. They're not even on the football field. They, they're giving out, the Bible says to equip, that word equip is furnished, meaning giving them something they didn't have five minutes ago. I'm furnishing you, I'm giving you something. Not because of me. Because there's a grace that he has gifted and put into people and given those people as a gift to his bride so that they can experience all the graces. And then when we have, and it's very fascinating to me that Paul writes the book of Romans. The most, I mean, the book of Romans, if you know anything of theology and scripture, the book of Romans is just, and, but he says this, I long to, in Romans, he says, I long to come to you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. So this book of Romans, they were reading it, but in the reading and the study, he was saying, it's not enough. I long to be there to impart. I am endowed with something to impart to you a gift. For that, you won't get it by reading. You'll get it through gifts that Christ has given to the church. How does that come? through teaching, instruction, preaching, but through impartation, which is either through the laying on of hands or through long-term relationship or being under that person's authority. And the more of these that the church is exposed to and experiences, the graces begin to flow. And what actually happens is this person may be more of a specialist, but the saints of God are experiencing this grace and this grace and this grace and this grace an evangelist doesn't just preach the gospel. People around him begin to preach the gospel. He equips them with what? With the grace that he's given. So you can get a person, 
I need to learn this, but you can get a person who can prophesy more sometimes, better sometimes than even a prophet. But that spiritual gift of prophecy doesn't make them mature and doesn't mean that they carry a grace to equip others with that grace. Just means they can prophesy. The Corinthians were going nuts with the gift in the good sense. The gifts were flowing. And Paul says, you, might, you babes, you mere babes, you're carnal. So a person can explode with all this amazing. That doesn't mean they carry the maturity and the grace as a gift of Christ to the church that people get around them. It's not, look at me, look at me. It's people get around them and grace starts to flow in their hearts and in their lives and interest and desires and a love for Jesus and man desire the spiritual gifts and, and, or what it, and the word of God is so, and it starts to flow and the saints have all this grace and it causes us to grow up in a world that has gone crazy. This is God's plan. It hasn't changed. So, I have to land it because you ran out of time. But, I just pray, sorry, I'm, I'm really sweaty right now. You want to know. I just, why don't we stand? You know that these apostolic, prophetic graces, it's been so removed from the large part of the church, but those are the pioneers, those are the ones who, they push the bound, and you know, not all of them will be in the church. You know that you can have an apostolic grace on a person for business? They will actually open doors for the kingdom through business. Paul, on his apostolic journeys, took Epaphras and Eruditus, and these were town planners, engineers, but they had this grace on them. It's not this boxed. It's what God has put in you. I hope I didn't create more questions and answers today. Can we just ask the Lord? Who was here when my dad ministered a little while ago, a couple of weeks? You know what I love about it? When we were gone, we had so many people tell us, I mean, you can come back, that's great. But like, it was great. <laughs> that's a good sign. Because if it's about a person, we have always endeavored to never make it about the one. That is a pitfall and a trap. Even if it means we stay smaller because the church, well, this guy is still growing. Good. As we grow, can we grow up to? Lord, we thank you for your amazing love for your bride. We thank you, Lord, for this grace that you put on people. But it is about the glory of God the love of the Father. We bless you, Lord. May we grow up into all things, into you, Jesus, and become one. May we endeavor to keep unity with all that's going on around us. Help us, Lord. Help us as a body, as Free Life Church. Help us to see these offices established. Not titles, functions to see the prophets rise, the pastors rise, so that your people may be fully fed, fully fed. We ask this by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
Good to have you back, Clay. Please stay for some fellowship with the stupid Christians around you. If you're tuning in right now, you'll understand if you rewatch. Um, the evangelists will be leaving very shortly to go make more Christians, so there'll be even more fellowship. If you'd like to pray with anyone, there'll be a trained ministry team over here. We love you. Have a blessed week. Good morning, Free Life Church, and happy Sunday. We are glad you've joined us today. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us, any needs or comments you may have, or how we can simply connect with you. To submit a card, scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you are a first-time visitor, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you. Beginning September 27th, join the Women's Ministry in an interactive Bible study covering the life of Jesus through a unique blending of the four Gospels. The first eight weeks of this study will take place on Tuesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m., beginning September 27th through November 15th. For more information or to register, please go to our events page. On Sunday, October 2nd, join us for our Fall Festival! This will be a fun event for the whole family and will include food, fellowship, games, and more. Please visit our events page on our website to register and sign up to volunteer. Living Free Ministry is now accepting appointments. We would love to help you restore a deeper connection with the Lord and find freedom from what may be holding you back. Email livingfree at freelifechurchva.com to schedule an appointment. Here at Free Life, we believe in kingdom giving and we invite you to give toward the work God is doing. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. Checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. Thank you for your partnership with us. Stay informed of upcoming events and important announcements by signing up for text updates and our newsletter. Simply text Free Life to 55498 to sign up. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today.